Sentire Media Thank you for downloading the podcast from Italy on this 25th day of August 2020. Good morning, Ashley. Ciao. Good morning. <laughs> this is our second take of this podcast. The first one we recorded yesterday morning, but it was dark. It was a dark podcast. He just, just wasn't felt like happy. it was a downer. It was a Debbie Downer, so we're going to redo it. This energy. Morning, energy and positive attitudes. <laughs> It's 7.15 in the morning. It has been a hot, hot August. Uh, this morning is cool and... It feels it, like September. It does feel like later in September. We're sitting outside. It's a nice, cool morning and the sun is not high. No, the it, this morning's the first morning where we really noticed the light changing. And normally that sun boop, pops up real hot, real quick mm-hmm. over uh, over the little hill that lies to the east of the house. And this morning it kind of... Sat behind that, sat behind there a little bit. Now it's popping up. Well, the August, like you were saying, has been hot. So this is kind of a nice uh, reprieve from the heat. We've had it hasn't been like years past by any means this year, where we've had ninety days above ninety degrees kind of thing. This was no, but it's just been a hot the, August. It's been in the thirties for mm-hmm. the whole month, but um, it should be. It's, of if, course, if you if. All my nerdy. No, I have nothing to complain about. All my nerdy weather websites say that this is a normal weather pattern for the summer. So I'm it's hoping, been dry though. I'm hoping for an Indian summer, nice long. Give That's it. Uh, I don't know if it is or not, but I'm part Native American. <laughs> Deep family history. Um, but the for a nice warm September. And then we'll take the rain at the second half of September and into October. Well, we're dry this year. We're not even close to where we should be for the year to date for the water. So we need it. Well, th- I want to start doing the fall projects. Today, we're going to start trimming the hedges. And we keep um, kind of going between hedges and projects around here. You know, like all the tr- trying to figure out what we're going to do to set up for fall early. Move the wood. But I got to start learning how to use that chainsaw. Um, the, the valley is changing. The tractors are rolling around, mm-hmm. picking up the last bit of the, um, the straw to f- or the hay to feed the, the animals for the winter. Um, there's, yeah, you can feel it. You there's the change it. of the season coming. Uh, we heard the dogs, the packs of yep. dogs with their bells around their necks. The hunters are out training them in late August. And God, you said they also start doing the rabbit hunts. I, I I don't know, mm-hmm. but they the lepre d- for I the jackrabbits. I didn't hear any shots. All I heard mm-hmm. is, is dogs. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, more people on the more the forestale. The forestale are around. They're passing. driving back and forth, checking for anyone who's uh, hunting that shouldn't be yet. And, and more Fiat little Fiat pandas driving slowly down the road this yes. time of year. There's traffic on Candeliano. so it's starting to change. We're starting to feel like it's the the summer's wrapping up. Um, even though it's supposed to be hot again the, later on in the week. but Well, before summer wrapped up, we got to enjoy Ferragosto. That's the culmination of summer in Italy, the biggest summer holiday. Of course, it's wrapped up to a Saints Day. I don't remember what. Started in the fascist regime. I don't remember why. <laughs> Wikipedia. We're, we're light on facts. <laughs> but we were invited by Gaji and some of the uh, yokels, the oldie locals, to... Um, a polenta lunch. Now, this is in, very traditional for Ferragosto. It, I, I always think, why are we eating polenta in the dead heat of summer? But it's 
that they would be harvesting the corn around now. Um, not sweet corn, by the way. This is pol- this is corn that they grow for the pigs and for polenta, correct? Yeah, and this this is the firm type of polenta. So you um, up north, you'll find more of the porridgey fluid polenta that they'll put different so- different things on top of. But this one is cooked firm. So what they do is it's a um, almost like a polenta lasagna that they serve. Frankino, well, the, take it back. How do they cook it? That's, that's what I was just going to say. So Frankino, the polenta maker, he was also born in this house. He's adorable and just a total character in his mid eighties. And he showed up for lunch um, at about nine thirty in the morning to make the polenta in his copper cauldron over an open fire. This is old school style and he then mixes the entire thing by eye and by hand so he stir, just stir 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 stir, 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 stir. and just adds a handful here and there of the golden polenta tosses it into the pot and just keeps on mixing and does that for a bell po yeah it takes a while to make it. <laughs> i don't know exactly how long i've watched him do it but i haven't seen the whole process like in sat, a while sat there and seen how long they stir till he stirs until it looks right i'm sure exactly till it's done and then he takes you um, get a towel or, or I'm mean, like a sheet or a it's you wet what is it linen linen it's, and you, you damp it you, you wet it you wet linen you pour it uh, and stretch it out and then you dump the polenta onto there and you wrap the wet wrap the polenta in wet linen and let it cool and this lets it set up and not get a crust on it. Mm-hmm. Then you take a piece of twine and you. Um, Twine off, slice off. (laughs) I'm not the cook of the family. Um, Big pieces of big squares of polenta or um, squares, rectangles, whatever. And then from that, you then twine off. um, (laughs) Use the twine. What's the proper way to say it? You cut it with twine. You cut it with twine. Slice it. Into thinner slices. And you take that and you get a huge, man, that pentola, that like pan pot, that casserole dish, what what would you even... It would weigh a ton. It is massive. And you make, you start to layer it with a rich ragu. Um, The sugo, it's not called a ragu. Oh, sorry, sugo. The sugo is um, a special sugo that... Which um, means sauce. Which is one of those that takes, you know, one of those two-day kind of things. And it's got all the different ground-up meats. And and it's a very rich, um, uh, uh, dense... Like oily, meaty, meaty sauce. sauce. Yeah, you three put, meats in it. I think you, you wouldn't put this over pasta. This is totally just for this this uh, dish. And you make basically a casserole. Think of a lasagna without the without the pasta, but with uh, polenta polenta slices instead. Um, a little bit of sauce goes down. A slice of the polenta, uh, or a layer of the polenta. A little bit of sauce over the top and grated. Uh, H. Pecorino because they wouldn't have Parmigiano Reggiano because that's from Amelia. That's from further up north. Um, they and, were sheep herders here. They had a lot of sheep. And you fill it all the way up. Um, no mozzarella, nothing, nothing like that. And then you just kind of let it. No mozz. No mozz. Then you just let it sit there for 10, 15 minutes and the um, polenta, polenta soaks it mm-hmm. all up. And it is not a light dish no and these people pack it on like there we were probably 15 20 of us yeah, um, probably 20 and we were probably the youngest by 20 years at least and uh these people not only had f- 
first plate, which was a heavy serving, but Rosanna went back, got his wife for three helpings. These people eat this. I well, could, you, it's you, impressive. It's impressive two things. Usually when we have this in other years, it's been like sweltering. It's been sweltering out, and it's not what you want. This hot, heavy, steamy. No, it's not light and fresh. And no, crisp. it's it's, a, like, it's not oh what you think God. of a summer. Nap inducing. Yeah, um, this year there was it was overcast. It, it was overcast that day, so it was it was more palatable. But I am impressed. They these people eat that stuff. Well, also because it wasn't that the meal was ending there. No. So meanwhile, the, at the grill, that was the second course. So <laughs> first course was antipasti, was just some crostini and a little bit of grilled vegetables. Mm-hmm. There, Pretty light. Um, then there's the giant plates of polenta. And then for the third course, or the secondo, sorry, was um, mixed gr- just mixed grilled meats. and They had sausage, ribs. And um, spiedini, skewers. skewers. And um, then just a gr- like a, a vegetable salad. Like, uh, From someone's garden. Yeah, Tomato, cucumber, pepper, cucumber. Mm-hmm. Um, mixed up. But the, the amount of, there was so much food. Oh, my it God. Was, the meat was delivered to the table in a vat that was like a tub of meat that they'd walk by and be like which meats would you like oh take more take more and it was like oh my god i've already had two servings of polenta and i was served on the light side compared to the amount of everyone else's eating it seemed like and then just the meats and then the salad was great and after that came all the desserts yeah we brought dessert and we were one of like 10 choices (laughs) Crostata, the jam tart, which is everywhere, every restaurant, house. This is what you keep with a tea towel over it, and you just serve it all the time. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, whatever. Um, There was some strange, like, apple, eggy cake. Um, Someone made pastries and filled with cream, some filled with Nutella. Like, it was all out. Oh, and then those rolled things. The rolled cakes, Mm -hmm. yeah. Forget the name of those. There's a name. Rolatini. No, there's a name for them. But uh, it was it was a ton. And then the grappas and the homemade digestivi. Um, and the good wine. The good wine. Like none of the wine had a label on it. It was all just oh, I got this when I went up to the Veneto and and blah 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 and some homemade some. You know, no, nothing was labeled. It was all no. the good stuff. They took old um water um. Uh, water bottle, glass water bottles, and they would fill it up with the loose wine and serve it at the table. It was fantastic. It was perfect. And uh, then, of course, all of the kind of shit talking and, um, you know, just everyone starts to tell old stories or they tell us great old stories about the house and, and with Frankino and his sister and brother there as well. And they tell us other stories. It's just crazy to bring this old place to life from hearing their past experiences here. But then it's fun to see Gaji get flipped shit or I don't know. I love it. I love the old banter. Um, this was at the a, ch- a church um, between our house in Piobico on the main back off the main road it's called San Donato and it is a church that is used it's not abandoned but it's not it's used a handful of times a year and the Rovero Gaji's neighbor he had the keys he's also the one that made the sugo for the polenta and so after the lunch it started to sprinkle and of course everyone begins to melt in the rain here oh Gaji just called and um, he took us all on a tour of the private quarters of the priest from the house. And like Jason said, it's been abandoned for probably 50 plus years or so. No one's lived in there. But just to see, 
I don't know, to see it again, kind of have this history behind it and the stories and see the old, not only the holes in the ceiling from where the um, church bells were atop in the ropes, but then to see the old ropes right there as well. And I don't know, the, all the little details, it's really cool. And um, of course, everyone then tries to sell us the place. Oh, you should buy the house next door. There's one up the road. Up? Oh, you mean up that terrible crappy road? Yeah, yeah. But the house is beautiful, so it's hysterical. They they want us to live here forever, which is sweet. Um, oh, Gaji, let's see. He's coming back from the phone call. I'm sure this was just his daily check in. Whether he shows up in person for a coffee or he calls, he needs the weather report. Yes, that was. <laughs> what are we doing today? And did it rain last night? How much? Not much, not even, you couldn't even call that rain. Um, I was just finishing up about Ferragosto. Oh, and the best part, um, as if you could eat any more, they send everyone home with huge amounts of polenta. Of everything. And meat and yeah. desserts, platters of everything to take yeah, home. We were, 20, <laughs> we were 20 and there was enough food for 50. At least. At least. Yeah. When the, when, after, every, after we were done with uh, the, the polenta, I had to help uh, another guy carry the casserole dish. You couldn't even call this a casserole. It is no, a you can't. giant pan. Um, it still took two people. It was a third gone. There was kilos. Plenty kilos of polenta. Of polenta. <laughs> Insane. Um, so other than that, we haven't had much going on. It's been pretty boring out here. All festivals and things are pretty much... Um, canceled or canceled very or, low key. Yes. Not worth driving an hour plus to find out that it's not really going No, we've already on. had three strikes. We're out of the festival game. So um, that was been our highlight for August for sure. Otherwise, we've been jarring. Uh, we tomato. We're starting to jar the tomatoes. Half this year, it's half the production of normal years. It's sad because we started it all by seed this year for the first time, and they looked fantastic. Well, 300... we personally started them by seed. Yes, our tomatoes are started by seed every year, just by someone else. True. <laughs> um, I think they knew what I meant, but um, so they look great. We were really proud, and Jason was really excited to see what would come, calling this what would be his glory garden. Yeah, not so much. (sighs) Kind of the garbage garden. It's it's the garbage garden. It's a disappointment. (laughs) We're all disappointed in it. The cats, me. The... The wet morning set in too much on the leaves for the tomatoes. It looks like it should be the end of September, October. Yeah, June was a June. The second half of June and the first half of July was rough for the garden because it was while it was warm and beautiful during the day, it would get really chilly at in night and in the morning, and it would get into um, eight ten degrees in the mornings um, and dewy. And the tomatoes did not like that when they were young. Nope. And they never really bounced. Come on, bounce back. Come on. So. Tomatoes are lackluster. If you ask, if someone just came by and saw the amount of tomatoes, they'd still think it was it was good. Plenty, no, we we but, usually have hundreds and hundreds of kilo. I, I do no hyperbole. It's usually there are tomatoes everywhere, and this year not so much. I'm looking at two crates. There's more than two crates. So we've made um, so our tomato production for for jars is going to be low this year because we have to give. Um, Gaji needs his 50, and then we Carolyn and, Carolyn Luke. and Luke, and... Then we'll do the rest. We'll, we'll keep the rest for next year for yeah. the guests. But it will not be like years past when not only we are sick of tomatoes, but the, t- the chickens are, too. Yeah, they stop eating the <laughs> tomato scraps. No, so I... Oh, th- note to anyone listening. Do not put your um, tomato scraps if you are 
doing this into your compost. Oh, the seeds. Man, it just is a mess. When we use the compost dirt, the good stuff um, that's composted down in the flower beds and beds for the raised beds for the like carrots and things like that the amount of tomatoes that try to sprout up because we used to just dump all that sludge into well we see we seed the tomatoes mm-hmm. so it's just all tomato seeds and you throw it in the compost and it is when you use it it's amazing how many tomatoes sprout in your flowers and, and everywhere. everywhere everywhere it's like we can have tomatoes growing all over the place here <laughs> so note to any gardeners uh tomato tip don't do that (laughs) when we're not jarring i've been trying to go out and pick berries it's still a little bit early but you have to be on your berry game out here because oldies from afar will show up in little ape three-wheel trucks with homemade devices and contraptions and claws with buckets on the end to um clean out the fruta di bosco the wild berries the kind well, we of black have, berries we don't yeah we only have one we have more the blackberries and mm-hmm. if, from year to year it depends on the rain and the weather and this year there's not a ton of them but they're good yes and i've been going out in the evenings but man sometimes those like horsefly evening flies just start to attack so um and i've been scoping it's a little early i think at the end of the month give it another week or so and um i could come home with a really good pick i haven't ever come home with enough to make a full-on pie that's always been the goal jason's like should i be baking dough and it's like no not yet so they're not really enough for jarring um but we sit there's always a bowl of of wild rat, of wild blackberries sitting on the mm-hmm. table. They it's only nice. la- they only last about a day, day or two, day and a half, two mm-hmm. before they start going going bad. But. Well, it's a good thing I eat them by the handful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other highlights of this? Oh, we harvested the corn. Yeah, the corn it was okay. It was short. I don't know what we happened. We sweet corn. I smuggled seeds back from Seattle, and I don't know. They did not grow tall. Like, you could not do a corn maze in that. You'd see right over the top. No, the, the, but the uh, corn was okay. It yeah. wasn't super sweet, but it was it was okay. It's better than what we could get here. Yeah. Um, carrots are still looking good. What else is going The pumpkins are getting humongous. Pumpkins are almost... Peppers r- are rocking and rolling. Yeah. We, um, we had a lot of cross-pollination this year. We've already talked about I that. I know, but it just... Uh, some of these peppers are super spicy that shouldn't... God, you got all pissed the other day. Yeah, the sweet peppers. <laughs> are spicy and the spicy peppers are not that crazy. It was like, good God, I touched my eyes the other, the next morning and it was still burning from your peppers. Never grow those again. He likes to make grand proclamations of what we're not allowed to grow again. <laughs> if he doesn't like it, it's not allowed to be grown ever again. He was again. talking about it yesterday with the tomatoes too. The ones that we never again. <laughs> Um, other highlights this from this month. Oh, immigration. We got we're done with immigration. I guess we take a we took a break from um, harassment of the uh, prefettura, the um, immigration office in Pesaro, uh, for the holiday over the summer. It's it's pretty much useless to start keep calling them because there's no one in those offices. No, I'd been sending an email every week or two to follow up and for the citizenship, like Jason was saying. But in the meantime. We needed to get our permiso de sojourno, our permission to stay renewed. We talked about that a couple podcasts ago on bitching about bureaucracy. <laughs> and so we were able to go and do the next step of the permiso, which was the meeting at the Questora at the police office in 
Urbino. Yep, pretty uneventful. Yeah, bring them a few other documents and our photos, redo the fingerprint scans, and now we just wait for the cards. And that card can take anywhere from a couple of months to one time it arrived, expired. It did. It totally It arrived, did. expired. <laughs> you can't make that up, folks. Nope. nope. So, so we, like get, to, we like to take bets on when it will get here. It'll get here when it gets here. Two weeks. <laughs> we, we did what we're supposed to do. Now it's just in the hands of uh, the Italian state. Slow and steady. Um, How about we do some listener Q&A? All right. Um, First one was I've gotten so many emails and whatnot just checking in on your arm and people being so sweet to follow up and see how you're doing. Oh, the arm is good. The mobility's better, but no strength. It's slow. There's not a lot. You still can't do it. Uh, I can't put my arm above my head still. No, or straight across from like 90 degrees. Mm, getting better at that. Getting better, but not quite. It's just no strength. Like I pick, uh, we harvested potatoes the other day, and Gaji was doing all the hard work of digging them up, and all I was doing is picking them up. And by the end of a morning of doing that, I was shot for the whole day. Mm-hmm. And that was over the weekend. Those two are a mess out there. They both are so ornery and want to be in the garden and do work. Jason, you know his story. We told you before, Gaji. I think that um he, he fell he, he fell, fell down some stairs a, a month over maybe six weeks ago it's the beginning of july was it the beginning yes. okay yeah so uh and he's still his shoulder's still he thinks he dislocated his shoulder i don't know if it ever got put back or was dislocated or not but he still is slow and sore won't, and won't go to get it looked at i go you work in a your studio <laughs> has an orthopedic surgeon there why don't you just tell him to look at it so it's like the contractor's house is always the worst one on the block for sure so, two guys out there, we barely have two working shoulders. I know, but at least I'm not doing the. I'm not doing the. Um, no, I let the. I let the 71 year old man do <laughs> with the, the bum uh, with the bum shoulder. I'm not going to risk myself. No. Uh, and there was another question about driver's license. Yes. Uh, Bonito had sent it's in, us... It's, it's in the other room. I know. It's okay. He wrote to us about moving to Italy and how to get a driver's license as an expat. And his brother or his friend was driving around... A with- friend had been living here for years and has been driving around on an American driver's license with no problem. But he is moving here and wants to start a business and do it all right and buy the books. So he was curious the proper way. So, so you've come to the right place because we have both stories in this house. <laughs> um, I have been doing exactly what your friend has been doing, is driving around an American license for quite a while. Wait, quite a while from day one. Day one. So when we came, uh, right before we came, I got my license renewed, and that was good for 10 years. So as a North American, I believe Canadians are in this in this mixed with us, we can't simply take our valid um, uh, North American driver's license and transfer it over. Um, other con- many, many other cr- countries from crazy places where you'd be like that. You can transfer that license. Uh, yes. And it has to do because we found out uh, because of the transmissions of cars. North Americans don't really know, ha- uh, have a lot of experience with manual transmissions. And that's nine- 90% of the cars you see here. So mm-hmm. And a, a big part of the test. And it's a big part of the test as well. So um, you... <sighs> It sucks. It's like 750 to 1,000 euros to enroll in the school. It's best to go ahead and just do the school enrollment, even though it freaking sucks for the price because they take care of everything. The administrative part. All the administrative part. They take care of setting up the dates for your tests and things like that. Um, You can absolutely do it it yourself. mm -hmm. And you would just have to get your own packet together and and all the... 
um, bonific all the wire transfers you have. It's you're paying for a service. It's I I don't I I have no idea how you do it, but it, there's a way. And it's the um, test is forty questions. Oh yeah, so the test is a pain in the ass. It's forty questions, true false. And because they're true false, they try to get you. They with, try to trick you. They try to trick you with slips of the language, and it's hard for a non-native speaker. It's hard for Italians. Um, you, I go to these classes with these teenagers, and they are sweating this thing, this test out. It's um, just stupid. Like the whole thing. The uh, is that a, is that an ignorant thing to say? It's, it's just, just stupid. stupid. It's stupid, you no, guys. It's just a boring. <laughs> it's not a very interesting subject, and the and the. The, the way everything's worded is very frustrating, and then it gets in your head. So you start, you start overthinking things. So you'll read a question, and it'll be like, you should always stop at a stop sign. And you think, well, hmm, that's too easy. It can't just be true. Like, there has to be, well, there has to be a, a, a modifier or something, mm-hmm. something. Well, it's not true, because what if there's, what if there's a uh, um, agent, like a um, traffic person there, and he tells you to go, then, then you shouldn't be stopping at the stop sign. You should put, listen to the agent. So maybe it is false, because it's not always that way, right? <laughs> exactly. And you just get up in your head, and, and, it's, and you end up getting stupid things wrong. So um, I'm doing it now. This is his, like, third attempt, I think. Not a test. Well, he's never taken the test. I've never but taken the test. I've gotten to the. I've he's gotten, done the doctor's visits. He's done the eye checks. And- oh, oh yeah, I forgot. There's ancillary fees. Don't forget about the ancillary fees. So the seven hundred and fifty to a thousand bucks. That's for just the just the um, the school. Then you have to go to get and the, the tests and the tests. Then you have to go to a doctor and get a seventy euro uh, certificato medical. A certificate of medical certificate saying you're not crazy and you're fit to drive. That, Even though they don't take any blood pressure. That rate, is any... a racket. The guy <laughs> printed out a form, checked all the no boxes, signed it, stamped it, and handed it to me and wanted 70 euros. Without asking you a question. Didn't want to know anything about me. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to go get an eye exam, which is 40 euros. Um, and and that's where you discovered you were colorblind. I'm not colorblind. There's a problem with those tests. <laughs> it's the green and reds. Um, and then there's got to be another like Marco Dibolo or something. I don't know. Probably. So figure. Oh, uh, photos. You have to get photos, oh, yeah. which is 10 euros. So, you know, there's another 100 or 200 euros. Uh, in, it adds up. In in. in other fees as well. And normally you have to do X amount of hours at the school for, before your test. Like they, they just, the classes are, at least the one out in our place are pretty lame. It's just, they give you, you just do the test and sit there and you do the test. He reads it off. You do it. And then he tells you the answers (laughs) and goes over it. If anyone has questions and that's all you do. But thankfully now there's like a bunch of apps and stuff. When I did it, when I did it years ago, it was just a book and like practice books. And it was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. But you sit there with a bunch of teenagers and they talk and it's just, it's like, I can just sit, I can go home and do these tests. Well, now you can do it. Like yeah. now they do it on well, now, Zoom and now stuff. It's not, now it's totally, exactly. there's no school anymore. Well, that was the crazy part too. He was about to take it. Oh yeah. I was, so I was ready to do this right before the, the Rona hit. And, uh, 
I didn't have my date yet, but I was, I, I had, you were all studied up. I was all studied up and I was in there with the guy. You and had then, your doc, you had your medicos. Yeah. My, all my documents were ready to go and we were going to make the date and then Corona hit and they closed the school for like four months. They closed all of this for like four months. So then once it opened up again, contacted them and it's like yeah they're backlogged forever so contact me in september <laughs> so now i forgot it like uh, this this information's so boring and dull my brain rejects it as soon as i stop studying it constantly so i have to go back and restudy all this stuff again well hopefully you don't fail the test <laughs> yeah, no kidding <laughs> No kidding. So those were the listener questions this week. If you have any more. Oh, also on that, I think he might have mentioned, or at least I know other people, um, especially who are moving here, say, well, I should be fine. I've got my international driver's license. That doesn't really do shit. No, the law says within uh, 12 months of being here, you have to change it over to an Italian license. Yes. And the international driver's license is just a standardized form for international um, police to be able to understand and read your driver's license so they can find the pertinent information immediately. Um, otherwise it's not like a valid form of much of anything. Would you agree? Yeah. It's just a, yeah, it's a way for them to read it. Mm -hmm. So So, you're, you're correct, Benito. If you would like to follow the law within, you will get here to Italy and um, pretty, pretty quickly sign up for a driving school. They're everywhere. Yep. They're absolutely everywhere. And then enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm freaking doing this. I've driven for 25 years or whatever it may be. But um, um, stick around. I think I'll read a couple chapters from the book as well. Oh, don't say that. No? Do you think you're going to actually do it? Yeah. All right. I'll read a chapter. I haven't done it in a while. Uh, Um, Is it going to be today or just a day? We'll see. Domani. No, because I want (laughs) to... We got to keep it. We got to keep it fresh. What What are we at for time? Twenty nine minutes. Yeah, I'll do a quick chapter. Oh, okay, very good. Um, if you guys have any questions for us to cover, or maybe we will read them, maybe we won't on the next podcast. Shoot me an email at info at dot com, or send us a message from Instagram or Facebook at Latavlo Marque L A T A V O L A M A R C H E, and don't forget start planning the twenty twenty one vacation of a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks you guys for listening. Have a good one. Ciao, ciao. All right, thanks for sticking around and listening to a- another chapter summary from the unpublished, unfinished, untitled book (laughs) about our first year living in Italy. This one is totally apropos to what we were just talking about on the podcast. I did not even realize this until I just opened the pages folder. And sure enough, chapter 28, A History of Polenta. All right, here we go. Remember, stick with me. I haven't read this in years and years. So this is the first time reading it as you guys are hearing it. (laughs) All right. As the dusk slowly creeps across our valley, blanketing the rolling hills in a soft pink light and the cicadas buzz high above in the trees, we build a fire in our front yard, erecting a wooden teepee to cradle a copper cauldron. The massive antique pot holds lava hot hot golden polenta being patiently stirred by hand. This will be our dinner.
Tonight, the local polentone, or polenta maker, Franco, who has been making polenta for over 50 years, came to our farmhouse for a very special dinner. Salivating mouths with hungry bellies hovered closely to see how polenta, stone-ground corn from the fields, has been made in this area for centuries. It's not only a memorable night for us and our guests, but also Franco. He was born in our house over 80 years ago, small in structure with a Small in stature with a big heart, Franco is the local all-around handyman. From working in the fields, leading the Transumanza, trimming trees in town, directing traffic at festivals, and an avid basket weaver, (laughs) he is a true country renaissance man. Franco brings the history of the house alive for us, telling us stories of life at Cacamone in the 40s and 50s. Will you take me to see the room where I was born, he asked. In the first apartment at the top of the stairs, I unlocked the door and he silently wept, holding my hand almost as a way not to drown in the flood of emotions. He grips me. Franco tells me how the layout of the house used to be and where his grandmother slept, where the padrone, the landowner, and his family slept, and even an old hidden staircase, which of course got my imagination running wild. I still, to to this day, want to open the wall and find out what is in there. The ghosts stirred a bit as we first as we heard firsthand old stories of our house and the families that had lived here before us. Now back to the polenta. While stirring the thick polenta, Franco explains the history of our dinner to the group of British guests. Actually, he speaks in Pilbacese dialect, and I try my best to quickly translate that into Italian in my head and then into English out loud. For hundreds of years, the men of this area would head into these exact woods to hunt for dinner. Upon returning, the women would make a deliciously rich sugo out of whatever meat was brought home. Then the men would build a great fire and slowly cook the polenta, mixing it by hand in a copper cauldron for about an hour. Thick like porridge, Franco poured the polenta onto a long wooden table topped with a wet sheet to let it set up and dry out a bit. A glass or two of wine later, using twine, he cut the polenta into thick squares and laid them into the biggest baking dish I've ever seen. Then essentially creating a polenta lasagna, layering polenta, the most delicious meat sauce, using three types of meat and porcini mushrooms, and tons of grated pecorino. Serve. There were plenty, there were more than 20 of us that night, but Franco made enough for 50, just like we talked about on the podcast. Um, Once his work is done and the fire put out, this little old man can eat. Seriously, never knowing, you'd never know looking at Frankie now, but he finished not one or two, but three plates of polenta and then headed for the antipasti contorno table filled with salads and veggies again, three times. Where does he put it? Well, Franco let me in on a little polenta eating secret. Don't drink water, wine, niente, nothing while you're eating the polenta. It will make the polenta expand. Only after you've finished eating it, you can quench your thirst. I wish I'd listened to him because after one big plate and a few glasses of wine, I was TKO'd. Watching Franco recreate this meal is surreal. I think how far we've really come in all these years. Here we are in the country eating the exact same meal that hunters of this area have eaten for centuries, using the same techniques today as the men before us, savoring every single bite just as they did.
All right. That was a short and sweet one. Uh, the next chapter coming up will be Truffle Mania. So as you can tell, we're right on schedule for heading into fall. This will be perfect for the next podcast. And thanks for sticking around to listen to a little ramblings of the book and a little more story on Frankino or Franco, the local Polentone. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Ciao, ciao. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.